you're listening to Supply Chain Radio. This is Matt Gunn, joined today by Guy Cortan. Hi, Guy. Hey, Matt. How are you? Doing well. Glad you could be here today because I think we have a topic that you'll be very well equipped to discuss, and that is politics. Well, you know, Matt, I am a political scientist by uh, education, so yes, it's right in my sweet spot. <laughs> we are in interesting times right now. We are. Brexit has happened. It has. Surprisingly, but it's happened. And so it's a new world, and that's not the only place that things like that could change. We see the Philippines doing some pretty interesting things. We're also seeing the United States do some pretty interesting things in the current national election, which is between Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. And these are moves toward, or at least policies, proposed policies, toward protectionism and nationalism and different trade policies that either take us backwards or remove some of the free trade that we've had over the last decade or two. Yep. All right. What does that mean to retailers, though? That's what we're here to talk about. Yeah, what does it mean for retailers? You know, Matt, it's interesting. You're absolutely right. I think it's something if, you know, if we had talked about this six or eight months ago before the Brexit vote, I think we would have laughed at the notion that the United Kingdom would have pulled out of a common market. And now we see that actually happened. And we're starting to see potentially some of the ramifications it has across the whole economy, but especially in retail in particular in some spaces. But sort of fast forwarding to today and now being two months away from the U.S. election, I think it is something to, to be aware of because obviously Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton, regardless of what your views of either one of them are, have both put together or put forward some fairly protectionist, as you said, or isolationist policies. Now, we know that talk in you know the summertime is very different than talk when you're sitting in the big chair, so to speak. So before we panic too much, let's pump the brakes a bit. But I think it is worth exploring the topic because I think, you know, from a retail perspective, you know, what does this mean for you in this ecosystem, in this supply chain when, you know, as we know, retail supply chains now are global, like all of them, but in particular, retail are so sensitive to bringing uh, products in from the Far East or from other low-cost sourced areas, but also exporting, right? Sending our products that are U.S. products, if you will, into other markets, whether it be Europe, Africa, South America, or Asia. So if we think about, let's take you know, some of the policies put out there about, let's say, with Mexico, right, one of our biggest trade partners, if all of a sudden we're going to be slapping tariffs on all kinds of goods coming out of there and going in, what does that mean for us? Right? What does that mean in terms of, of retail businesses, how they're going to shift their target markets, but also where they're going to manufacture and produce and source products? You know, for example, I was just at a conference, a you know, little bit tangential to retail, but around the automotive space which I would argue is really just a big retailer, right? Mm-hmm. They're selling cars to us as consumers. And it was all around Mexico, and it was all around the fact that Mexico had a tremendous amount of favorable trade policies, which made Mexico a very attractive market to manufacture cars. However, there was also an undertone that, yeah, what happens if Trump comes in and builds this beautiful wall and then slaps massive tariffs on Mexican products? That all of a sudden takes away a lot of the viability of manufacturing in Mexico and shipping to America. So I think across the board, and retail in particular, who is very sensitive to these aspects of tariffs and sourcing, has to play heed to this. And obviously not panic and not make any rash moves. Nothing's happened yet. But start thinking about contingency plans and what could this mean for both your production but also your end market. And I think that's something that's always a worthwhile exercise. But events like this, like Brexit, like the current U.S. election and some of the rhetoric, This is something that you have to constantly think about and be prepared for. Yeah, those are some good points. I mean, when the uh, Brexit vote happened and the pound lost some value, it artificially inflated the cost of fuel. Now, British shippers 
that's going to be an impact at any level dealing with trade into right. Europe or into the U.S. or yeah. anywhere around the world. Yeah, well, what's interesting, too, about Brexit is there was some undertones when it came to your point about the British pound, but also the labor movement. And when you think about retail in particular, whether it's clothing stores, whether it's if you look at you know restaurants or grocery where there's a tremendous amount of reliance still on labor to services as consumers, but also do things like stocking and all those things, you know, there's an interesting piece in the New York Times that talked about the large glut of Polish workers in London and how many of them were in the retail space and how now with Brexit, would it be more difficult for them to stay as workers because they weren't British citizens and would they be forced to go back, you know, to Poland or other parts of Europe? So all of a sudden now you're putting a lot of strain potentially on the retail channel for their labor standpoint. On top of which, what's interesting too, is they're showing how these Polish workers would, you know, send back a tremendous amount of money a year back home. Well, that's cash that's going back to Poland that's probably being spent in the retail channel. So now all of a sudden it's sort of the sort of a secondary unintended consequence is other markets get impacted by this. And I think that's where we sort of see, or we're, we're sort of reminded of the fact that these disruptions can take hold in a whole different place, right? And come out of nowhere, if you will. And it's not just the natural disasters, but it's things like this, where the macroeconomic and the true political atmosphere can have a drastic, or not a drastic, but can have an impact on your supply chain and on how you do business. So again, it's it's one of those risks that I think all retailers, regardless of what they're selling or where they're selling it to, it behooves them, if you will, to constantly have somewhere in the back of their mind, what if scenarios, right? What if this happens? And then really, again, it shows the importance of being able to lean on their network to understand, hey, if this does happen, what can I do to mitigate the risk or the cost or keep my market share, right? So I think it's it's really tying in a lot of the things that you know we see in the modern supply chain, the modern retail space. And this is just a, an interesting reminder of the world we live in. Right. It impacts your cost to serve. And we have some numbers kind of to quantify that in our recent partnership with YouGov, we surveyed 250 retail execs in the United States. Now about half of them, 46%, expect an impact on tariffs or protectionist measures to have an effect. One of the top line effects there is the cost of goods will become more expensive to make, sell, deliver products. And the expectation isn't simply that they're going to eat those costs, certainly, but someone's going to pay for it at some point, right? Right. It's a great point, Matt, sort of lead into what else we saw from that is I was shocked by this number that that 36%, so almost 40% of those surveyed in this said they would pass on the cost to the consumer. That was shocking to me. And the reason being is something that I know, you know we've seen here is the growing importance in the retail supply chain and really in most businesses out there, if not all of them, of the power of the consumer. Right. We as the consumer, you and I and everybody listening, you know, we have emerged as the power player in this relationship. So if all of a sudden now as the retailer, if you just assume that we will accept a cost hike to cover your costs, I think they have another thing coming to them. And I think that's that was to me what really stuck out is this almost old fashioned view of the retail supply chain. Now, you know, I, I have to pay more in fuel or in tariffs or in raw materials pass it on, raise my prices by 5% so I cover the cost. No, right? There is complete sort of price transparency these days, right? Because the internet. We have complete 24-7 reach because we have mobile phones with us all the time. 
you know, shipping costs and fulfillment are such that we almost don't care or we have no problem buying a product from India or from North Dakota or from France, right? We know that it will get to us in a reasonable time and the quality should be good. So all of a sudden now, if as, as a retailer, I'm going to try to pass on these costs and punish you, my consumer, you, sort of the biggest asset I have as a retailer, I think that's not a good idea. And I think if this were to happen, I think those retailers would unfortunately find out very quickly that we as consumers will not stand for that anymore. And I think it just, again, in a way, belies sort of this pace or this this gap, if you will, with where we are today as in the retail space and where some retailers still believe they are. And I think that's something that is interesting to see. And those retailers that can figure it out quicker will gain more market share. Absolutely. And again, do you have to take into consideration that these consumer behaviors, the knowledge that consumers bring to the buying process and that to that experience wasn't developed overnight and you can't simply flip a switch, raise your prices 20-30% and expect people that have been programmed to find the best deal, to shop the bargains, to wait on you as the retailer to have your sales and find other ways to get goods that aren't at MSRP. Absolutely. And I think, you know, I mentioned the car example, but I think that's another good one, right? Who walks into a car dealership today not fully armed with every piece of information about that car? There's no longer the opportunity for the car salesman to be smarter than you, right? You're going to be smarter than them for the most part. And that goes across, you know, the majority of businesses we're seeing out there. So, yeah, so I think it's an interesting nugget of information And I think, again, it it sort of speaks to a bigger narrative that we're seeing out there, which is, you know, the importance, again, of retailers to understand the the shift, the consumerization, to understand the risks out there for disruptions coming from places they might not have otherwise expected. And I think the third one is, is really constantly this notion of, you know, there is no more isolation. So we are truly a networked economy, right? We are truly... Uh, intertwined, not just retailers and such, but within our own, you know, worlds of supply chain, we are intertwined with others. So there is no action without some kind of reaction. And I think that's, that's exciting because I think there's opportunities in there, but it's also risky because disruptions could come out of nowhere, right? And you didn't plan for it or you didn't expect it. Absolutely. And yeah, there are interdependencies and factors that now that we have moved into this larger globalized world, you can't simply dial it back. Again, looking at the car in the last 20 or 30 years, I think they've gone from about 50% outsourced parts to maybe 85%. That's most of your car now. Those suppliers aren't going to reshore just because... Because you asked them too nicely. Want them. Yeah. yeah. No, and it's it's um, it's fascinating, the, the trends we're seeing in that, right? The car being a great example, but you're right. It's it's one of those things where it's interesting, you know, in, in the past, I've said this, you know, I've, companies have said, well, when things calm down, we'll do X, Y, and Z. And it's like, no, this is the state we're going to be in forever, right? This constant state of chaos and of change and of the pace of which change happens. But again, I think it's, I look at it from a positive standpoint. I look at it as, hey, there's opportunity in that change. Right. I know the opportunity isn't if you sit still and watch the opportunity is if you go out there and you seize, you know, opportunities that you can identify. And that's that's not easy. It's not easy, but it's exciting. Right. Just kind of to bring it back to the study and to some of those larger themes about disruption. There are no guarantees that proposed trade policies will ever happen. 
But you also don't ever know if that black swan storm is going to hit you tomorrow either. Right. What can a retailer do to be at least prepared to understand that this is the world that we're in and at least be able to make different moves in the supply chain so yeah. that they can remain efficient and flexible? It's a fascinating question, man. I don't think there's a, uh, unfortunately, a, a silver bullet, right, that we can go out there and point to. But I think it's one of those things that it needs to be constantly top of mind for retailers. I think retailers need to really be, f- you know, this sounds in a way sort of simplistic, but they themselves need to be flexible, but open-minded to potential change and opportunity, right? So it's almost a state of mind of saying, hey, I know stuff's going to change. I know disruption might happen, good and bad. I can start playing scenario-based on how I can react to it. But what I need to do is just to be ready for it from a mental state of mind. And when it happens, A, don't panic, but B, you know, start thinking, hopefully you've walked through some scenarios, but be able to say, right, how would I react to this, right? How can I lean on my network to solve this problem? Because since we're no longer, you know, vertically integrated where you control everything, you rely on a tremendous amount of partners, suppliers, customers of customers, distributors, all, you know, the whole ecosystem. How well can you be able to call upon that network, right, to help mitigate some of these risks and problems? But you're right, the risks come out of nowhere and the opportunities, you know, I find this interesting. There's, you know, from a retailer perspective, you think about, I don't know who's supplying all the merchandise for the NFL right now, I apologize, but, you know, it's interesting, you know, Colin Kaepernick has been doing this protest recently, which has obviously commanded a lot of headlines. And this is not a discussion of that protest, but from a retail perspective, what's interesting is that his jersey sales went from being like in the top 50 at best to being number one in like a week. Mm-hmm. So you think about that stress it puts on the supply chain providing those jerseys, right? They probably modeled for the year. Well, you know, Tom Brady will be high and, and you know, Antonio Brown will be high and, you know, these superstars that we know of, all of a sudden this sort of bolt of the blue happened where someone was, you know, doing something out of the ordinary and it garnered all this interest and all of a sudden it drove sales and it's driving retail and all of a sudden you know now i'm sure they have a ton of san francisco jerseys ready and they can just you know slap a number on in Mm -hmm. his name but i think it's just it's another reflection of a disruptor that comes out of nowhere that's a good one because that's increasing sales but you also better have those jerseys ready if people want them because stockouts can be just as bad as having a volcano go off in Iceland and block your supply chain, right? So I think, yeah, it talks to, from a retailer's perspective, being nimble. I know it's cliched, but it's true. Leaning on your network, right? I think it's it's really important in today's day and age, especially when so much of what they're doing falls outside of their four walls. And again, being open-minded, if you will, right? Being willing to cliche, think outside the box. But when it happens, you have to be able to do that. I think those are some great points that we will leave the audience with for this episode. But, Guy, thank you for talking me through some of these findings that we've got. Good stuff, and uh, appreciate it, and thanks, everybody, for listening. All right. This has been an episode of Supply Chain Radio. 